Good morning and welcome to the latest Pooley podcast, uh, View from the Vic, with myself, Richard Munir, and Joe for the Hartlepool Mail. Um, we're recording this a couple of days after relegation to the National League was confirmed, although obviously for many Pools fans, it's probably been the case for a good week or so. Um, plenty to discuss, including uh, Reg Singh's explosive club video interview last week. Um, Pools obviously officially being up for sale. We'll discuss that as well. Um, I mean, clearly Reg Singh's been um, mentioned. He would welcome investment since very early, on, very early on into his tenure anyway, but we'll discuss the ramifications of the club being officially up for sale. Latest on that front, uh, John Askey remains Pools manager heading into the new season. Um Certainly under Raj Singh anyway, obviously if the club was sold in the next few months. That's all up in the air as well. Not least the contracts of the players of the current squad. How many of those you would actually want to keep at the club following the absolute debacle of this season. Um, so yeah, plenty to discuss. Morning, Joe. How are you? And a partridge and a pear tree. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good as well. As good as can be, really. Because it's been uh, quite the week, hasn't it? Even by Heart of the Bulls standards, I think. Um, but yeah, just... It's just a bit upsetting, really, isn't it? A bit of a shame what happened, what's happened this season, and then obviously all culminating on Saturday, even though they won on Saturday. Yeah, especially getting sort of so close to, you know, the safety line of the at the start of John Askey's. Um, sorry, um, the start of John Askey's uh, tenure. Going was it eight, eight, nine unbeaten, uh, and then sort of those three defeats on the spin just really obviously killed killed any any hopes of safety. We'll, we'll get it the nitty gritty of that shortly. Um, we're recording this ahead of the final trip to final game of the season away to Stockport County on Bank Holiday Monday. Um, obviously, Dev Chandler's side still within a shout of automatic promotion. So, and the game's live on Sky. What could possibly go wrong, Joe? Um, so yeah, big game to end the season with. Hopefully, pools can restore. Um, oh, well, you know, build on the weekend win and you know, head into the summer with a little bit of pride at the very, very least in front of, uh, um, no doubt, be another strong pulls away contingent uh, with some of the fans dressing up as cowboys, I think. Um, obviously, the usual um, away day following won't, won't be sort of fancy dress as much as usual, but but yeah, there'll be some cowboys there. So um, I'll. Uh, let you read between the lines on that one. Anyway, Joe, so just going back briefly to Saturday, what was your thoughts on, firstly, just the game briefly, but also, I guess, more importantly, John Askey's comments after the game and um, what he said about some of those players who didn't feature? Yeah, I think the game itself was, well, it turned into a, quite a good game, to be honest. I think John Askey said that he, he enjoyed watching his team, which was fair to say in the second half. The first half was very much throwaway. It was a game where... They couldn't really get much going. They were struggling, like quality, really, in the final third. And Barrow felt as though they were going through the motions, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, their season was already over, of course. They got their noses in front with a goal that kind of it was just easy, really. It was their first real attack. Um, kind of sums up the struggles that Hartlepool have had. But, yeah, the second half sparked into life and it was quite a good game to watch and, uh, and to cover. Hartlepool did well. They deserved, they deserved to win the game, to be honest. They scored a couple of goals. Could have scored more. There was some red cards. There was confrontation. There was a few handbags at the end as well. It was yeah. It was it was turned into quite a good game, but it was just frustrating. Really, I, th- I think you, you sort of saw that second half, and then you you find yourself asking, where, where was that the week before against Crawley when they needed it? Um, that was one question that I did put to the manager, and he sort of said the, the frustrations are there, but it's a different game, and 
Barrow allowed them to to play. They allowed them to have the ball, whereas whereas Crawley didn't. Um, you know, I guess again that just kind of goes to the sort of frailties and the weaknesses within the squad to be able to do that one week and not the next, or vice versa. Um, but yeah, as you say quite rightly, the the sort of main thing from that, obviously, the relegation was confirmed, and then the comments post match were explosive to say the least, because it's not. It was one of them where you you ask the question and then. You have to do a double take almost of, in terms of what you've heard because it's not often that you hear managers be so brutally honest about their squad. Um, there's part of me that's not surprised in a way when you see how the season's gone. But even still, like I say, it's, it's one of them where you, you are still surprised by it. I feel as though it's probably been simmering away in the background for a couple of weeks. If you go back to back to Easter when Morsilla in particular, he was one player who was brought up on Saturday when he was left out at Grimsby. Um, again, I think if you, if you read between the lines, it probably doesn't take too much to work out what's going on. You know, he, he, even at John Askey's comments that day down at Grimsby, where he didn't really refer to an injury, he didn't really refer to any sort of personal issues in terms of where some managers might say that there's been a bereavement or something like that, or anything family related. It, it just felt as though there was something going on. And then, yeah, to come out and say what he said in terms of players being selfish and just only thinking for themselves, it it kind of shows you what might have been going on, certainly over the last month, but possibly even over the course of the season. Um, obviously, like I say, Sill is one of them. He, he left a couple of players out. Wes McDonald was left out as well. He didn't really reference anything towards him or about him, whereas he did suggest that Dan Kemp and Oliver, Oliver Finney were both injured. So, again, whether you read between the lines and you put two and two together a little bit, you know, I don't want to necessarily jump to conclusions there, but... There's certainly been some unrest behind the scenes of some players who've obviously decided to dig the heels in, whether it's contract related, suggests particularly with Mort Sillers that has to, that you assume that is the case because he was only on a one year deal. Whether there was an extension there, I'm not too sure whether there was an option. But considering he played so well in the first you, you mentioned it, the sort of eight games that went unbeaten, he was one player who really stood out and it was a bold call from John Askey initially to start him over Nicky Featherston. You know, if you drop on your captain, it's quite a quite a bold statement to make, but he was justified in it because the performances were better, they were improved, they got some results and they gave themselves a chance. So for then that to happen over the Easter weekend, it was it was a little it felt a little bit initially out of the blue. Um I know they went and won at Grimsby. Nicky Featherston particularly played really well that day to be honest on Good Friday. John Askey then says that the situation was ironed out, but you, you know, I wonder on the back of these comments whether that was just a case of trying to keep things sort of in check and not upset the apple cart a little bit at that stage of the season, you know, given where we were at and the chance that they'd given themselves if he came out and said what he said on Saturday back then on Good Friday, that could have had a reverse effect and a negative impact. So he probably did manage it quite well. Um internally, however, for then more so to come back into the squad. I mean, granted he did do well at Stevenage, to be honest, when he came off the bench. Whether there was an element of was he forced into bringing him back in because of injuries, and you know fans will have been questioning then why he wasn't involved if he wasn't involved. So I imagine it's been a very few, difficult few weeks for, for John Askey to handle that sort of thing. If that what I suspect has been going on based on those comments, yeah, it's been uh, <clears throat> it's been eventful, plenty going on. Um, let's just go back briefly to the uh, Crawley game, obviously. It's hard to sum up how um, 
how pitiful that performance was, really, given what was riding on it. Um, Crawley looked up for it more, which was criminal, really, from a pool's point of view. Certainly from a pool's fans' point of view, there was almost 7,000 fans inside the ground. And, you know, it, it was whichever way you look at it, it was a must-win game and there was just really nothing there, was there, from pool's performance. Um, and obviously that then led to a small section of fan chance towards Raj Singh, I would say, from the northwest corner. I think there was some suggestions from the town end as well, but it certainly wasn't prolonged. I think it was after the second goal went in, wasn't it? But either way, you know, a section of Pools fans made their feelings clear about the club's owner, former relegation to the National League. A lot of frustrations. Um, past the 18 months or so has been fairly shambolic. Um, the sheer volume of players the club's gone through, sheer volume of staff that the club has gone through. Um, and, you know, obviously the appointment of John Askey was very sound and solid. And if he'd had more time, then perhaps he could have kept the club up. But, you know, uh, a lot of the problems date back to last summer and the appointment of Paul Hartley and transfer decisions, etc. No point in going over old ground again. Um, however, yeah, then Raj Singh obviously then came out and officially confirmed the club's up for sale and made a lot of comments um, sort of aimed towards section, a section of the Hartful fans as well, you know, almost like don't, don't force him out type of thing because... You know the ramifications of who he then might sell to, etc. Um, what was your take on uh, on those chants? I guess initially, um, Roger's comments and kind of where the situation is currently. And, and do you expect a quick sale, or do you suspect this might drag out for quite a while? And fourth, you can answer these in whichever order you want. Um, John Askey's future as well. It's you know it's easy to say he'll remain in charge for next season, but you know as we all know, new owners, as and when they come in, would presumably want their own man. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot of interesting points. I mean, I'll initially just start by seconding what you're saying in terms of that Crawley game. It was such a flat performance. It was I still find myself what are we sort of ten days on trying to comprehend what, what that performance was given how much was relying on it, like you said, and how much emphasis was placed on it basically from when John Askey came in. That that was the fixture that was targeted. It's been there for two months. It's Hartlepool have been in this relegation battle all season, but the fact that they haven't been cut adrift, which has been quite remarkable, to be honest. When he came in, that was the fixture. He'd always targeted that fixture and said, if we can go into that game, we touched on it as well in the pod, if we can go into that game within within sort of striking distance, still in with a shout, you'd probably take it. And they got that, and then they just did not deliver at all on the pitch, whereas the fans did, and... If ever there was a case of the fans doing their bit and the players not doing their bit, it was that game. But to get into what you're saying, yeah, I mean, it was strange because the atmosphere was was really buoyant. It felt like the Vic of old, didn't it? It felt like when they got promoted and certainly like before the game, it was really, really buoyant. And it, it just it was a big game feel, and it had to be. And like I say, they did their part, and within ten minutes, you can't you felt and you could see how the game was going. So. Some anxiety crept into the into the fans then, and, but as you say, it wasn't until that second goal went in, which was all kinds of wrong to begin with, you know, to concede just from a directly from a goal kick. But it wasn't until then, a two 0 down, where those chances came, and yeah, they, they were audible. And it was, like you say, it was from the corner. Then I think there was a, a couple of other chances from other little pockets of the ground, but it wasn't necessarily heated as such I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it wasn't as though people were sort of climbing up at the box or there was sort of incidents outside the ground or even in the ground stopping games and things like that it was frustration and anger just vented in a in, in a chant as such um, 
I felt I feel as though it, it probably could have been a lot worse. So to to pinpoint them in the statement, I'm not sure how how much I agree with it because I think fans are probably entitled to do what they did there at least in the way that they did, given how the, the last eighteen months have gone. Probably since we got we always go back to when Dave Challenger left and he was another one who was brought up in that interview quite a lot. Um I mean I'm in no way condoning any sort of personal abuse or anything like that that players, staff, anyone receives online and things like that, you know, that that goes without saying that that has to stop and that is unacceptable. But in terms of those chants, I don't necessarily think that it was, like I say, heated in sort of vitriolic in any way. Um, so I don't know. It, it, it just feels as though, I think I wrote a piece on it this week where any sort of player or manager or member of staff you do sort of have a bit of a shelf life at football clubs and it does feel as though we're hitting the crossroads now with Raj seniors to this probably being coming towards the end of his time, which he, I suppose he is acknowledging, you know, he's acknowledging some of the mistakes as well. Um, how quickly a CL can go through though is, I mean, how long's a piece of string? You know, these things can often take time. Um, I don't necessarily think much has changed really in the sense you touched on it the club's probably been up for sale for quite a while. Um, he, he's turned around and said quite a few times that if there was an offer came in, he would he would listen to it. But he, he suggested that, that offer hasn't come in. You know, we'll, we'll not necessarily go down the uh, down the Hollywood route that has been discussed before. But I suppose the only change is that he would now he, he's now actively, so he says, p- pursuing a sale rather than sort of waiting for an offer to come in. How quickly that speeds things up, I don't know. But yeah, to, to use the fans to sort of issue that sort of warning, if you like, I, I, I didn't really agree with that. I felt as though it was a little bit unfair to bring that in, even if it is just a small section of the crowd sort of venting their frustrations. You can't really use fans who've turned up in the numbers and you look at that Crawley game, for example, turning up big time in the numbers to support the team. You can't use them as sort of a a bargaining tool almost in any potential sale it just doesn't doesn't seem fair to me um to be to be quite frank it's quite the opposite the pools fans should be used as a um massive plus in terms of selling the club <laughs> here, you know what i mean here you have a club who is um you know been a lot of bad decisions made over the last 80 months yet the pools fans continue to turn out in their thousands every week um i did so in the national league as well to be fair so you know Pulse fans are a huge plus, and ultimately it's their club, so custodians will come and go. Um, but yeah, we'll maybe draw a line. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, they've, they've announced the season tickets today, and that, that that's one thing that you wonder how many season ticket sales that they'll get next season, dropping back into the national league. Because I don't want to say that there's a novelty, but the last time they went down, once the season get gets around to coming up in August, there is that kind of oh well, it is a new season. We'll, and some new grounds to take off and you know we'll hopefully get promoted they know what faces them over over the next season or however long it might take to get back because it was so difficult to get back the last time so you probably won't have that this time um and then with the sort of standoff that there is between supporters and the sort of ownership or boardroom level it creates that sort of friction again doesn't it so you don't know how much how many ticket sales will be so that'll impact things I mean, you said it's obvious that there's been mistakes. I mean, you can't. I will say 
Rajasthan can't be blamed for things like what John Askey was referring to in terms of players digging the heels in. You know, there are certain things where he absolutely isn't to blame. But over the course of since the return to the Football League, there's been a lot of mistakes made, whether it has been from his decisions or people who he has employed to make the decisions, which then ultimately still means that the book falls back on him. Um, so it's just, yeah, it, it was just another, I know that there's, John Askey was sort of saying that it, the, the club remains stable and things like that, but it just adds another layer of uncertainty to things for me. The one constant, as you said, is him staying, hopefully being the case. I, I know that the club have come out and said that a couple of times. The chairman said that and asking himself, he, he told us last week, you know, I was really impressed with his press conference last week, given how difficult the week it probably was for him and knowing sort of the, the player stuff that was going on in the background as well. Um, you really have to hope that he, he is here on day one of next season, because as you say, if there were to be a quick sale, for example, in the summer, new owners could come in, they could have their own man. There's absolutely nothing that John Askey could do about that. And he, he, he said that to me, he said, if that is the case, there's nothing I can do, and I can't really worry about that. He seems focused, though. He seems as though he's addressed. I think, I mean, we all knew really once that Crawley defeat happened that they were going to go down, even though it wasn't mathematical at that point. Um, he seems to have taken that week, 10 days, reset himself, accepted that he'll stay on, and now he's sort of almost looking ahead the next season. And with the, with the comments on the players as well, you sort of, he's already looking at who he wants here, who's not going to be here. And hopefully him and Darren Kelly, the sporting director, can can get together and get things working quicker than what we've seen, certainly last summer, where obviously there was the uncertainty over the manager and that took until sort of the middle of June. And with the early season start, it ate into pre-season. Um, these wheels need to be turning this week, really. Last week, from after the Crawley defeat, <clears throat> get, get some of these players sat down who might be here, who might not be here. Your budget's there. I know Ryerson came out and said that there'll be a budget that'll be a third higher, I think it was, in the in that interview. From yeah, the um, Eddie Carr made a good point on the radio, tease that um, with inflation, you know, what does actually equate to three or four years on? But, um, yeah, in terms of just briefly on the term, in terms of the sale of the club, I mean, yeah, ultimately the club is in a much better position financially, you would hope, than when... Raj Singh took charge. Yeah. Obviously, you know, Raj Singh did save the club, so he deserves a huge amount of credit for that. Um, and yeah, perhaps people have a life shelf in football, so perhaps we'll just reach that natural end. But um, yeah, ultimately, the club doesn't own the ground. You know, the council still owns the ground. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the actual asking price is, because um, there won't be much of a squad, I would imagine, once the contract situation has been sorted out. So what you're actually getting for your money. But, uh, but we shall see. Um, so, yeah, one bit of good news this week was, as you mentioned, John Askey staying. Um, and as uh, football often does, um, Pools will come up, up against a former manager on Monday, <laughs> last game of the season. Um, obviously, Pools' fate has been decided. However, Stockport hasn't. Uh, they could still sneak the third final automatic place. Um, I think it's already sold out, wasn't it, the game? Certainly in the home ends. Um, yeah, it's on Sky, half, half 12 Monday. You'll be there, Joe. What um, are you looking forward to the game, first of all? I suspect not. Um, how would you see the game going? And Chandler's comments, I guess, have been very different to saying he, he, like, I don't know. He's not really got involved, has he, too much in the, the sort of spat as such, publicly at least. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's been rumbling on basically since he left, hasn't he? And then obviously there was, there was plenty of sort of drama and 
interesting that when Chalner returned in December, you know, and I don't even think he got referenced in the programme notes that day and he just kind of got on with business as you like and his team came away with a 5-0 win and then he sort of said that I hope Hartlepool don't go down because I still have a lot of time for this club. And he, he's almost said the same again, hasn't he, heading into this game. Um, you know, he was. I think he was told that pretty much post-match of their win over Leighton Orient last week that Hartlepool had gone down and he, he addressed that and sort of said how much he feels for supporters. So he doesn't really need to get involved with that. He, I think his legacy with the club, certainly from the fans' point of view, is already well cemented and <laughs> almost week by week at the moment with Hartlepool that it probably grows considering the trajectory of him as a manager and Hartlepool as a club since he left. Um, that can be some, that's some, but the in and out of that are things that could be discussed in detail, have been discussed in detail and probably will be for a very long time in the history of Hartlepool, to be honest. Um, in terms of the game, <laughs> it's hard to see hard to see anything but a difficult afternoon for what is likely to be slightly patched up or sort of rotated Hartlepool's squad. You know, John Askey made a couple of changes against Barrow for the reasons that we've discussed in this pod. <clears throat> I expect those probably to keep their places, maybe one or two others might be involved. Uh, I think we saw Campbell Darcy on the bench, the academy uh, defender. They might, we might see another couple of the academy lads maybe in the squad, whether they go into the first team or not, I'm not sure because, I mean, it's a question that I asked John Askey actually on Saturday and I think again he answered it quite well. Is that the sort of game environment that you want to put them in? Because Stockport, they, they've got to go out and, and win the game. They're going to be backed by a, a boring crowd, a sellout crowd. It's going to be quite hostile and just everything that sort of goes with the, the Challoner and Hartlepool. <laughs> Yeah, it probably isn't the best environment to throw a young kid in, maybe include them in the squad, put them on for the final 10 minutes or so if the game's gone at that point. But yeah, I expect it'll be a difficult afternoon and I think it's one really it, with nothing on it for Hartlepool. Now you just want the season over as far as as far as they're concerned. I think it's it's essentially or potentially Stockport's day. You know, yeah, it, the onus is all on them to go and win the game. Hartlepool obviously... Yeah, it might be a case of them just just seeing the season out and just put closing this chapter of what's been a pretty well. Yeah, it's been wretched, hasn't it? It's been horrible from day one, going all the way back there to July, four 0 defeat at Walsall. It's been incredibly long, incredibly exhausting, and just yeah, wretched right the way through. To be honest, so it'll be nice to draw a line under it. And hopefully not. I suppose, I suppose there'll be some Hartlepool fans who might be there who might not necessarily begrudge some success for Dave Challoner if he were to get it I'm absolutely by no means saying that they want their side to go out and get beat because no team ever ever does and I do think that the ones who are out there like John Askey said will will be given their all because some of them will be they'll be playing for either their future or spots in in the team next season who are probably going to be here you know you think of the likes of Tom Crawford for example who started last week he, he's contracted till next season so you and he's had he's had a difficult year with injury so he's one who would like to maybe put a decent marker in. Yeah. Players like that who yeah. will, will be here next season will be given it their all. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, but ultimately, it's just a case of getting through this final 90 minutes and drawing a line under the season. And as I said it before, the hard work really starts from here or should have started last week in terms of sort of your planning and 
strategy and how you're going to recruit known players who are going to be here and sit, sitting down with those players who might be here or might not be here and looking for, for replacements elsewhere. And just, just sort of finally, um, uh, yeah, there will be naturally a big, I know there's quite a few Parkour players under contract, but to be quite frank, I would imagine they'll be trying to ship most of them out anyway. Certainly the ones who were signed two-year contracts last season and barely lifted a finger all season. Um, however, those that they want to potentially keep, you know, I think Featherson's already said he would like to stay, wouldn't he? Although I suppose he wouldn't say anything different publicly. But um, the likes of Sterry, Featherson, Killip. I mean, Killip, is it time for him to move on, do you think? Is it, how many significant changes to the starting level do you think will be next next season? Yeah, you can see you can see another big overhaul, can't you? Um, it's funny that you mentioned those three players. That would be three players in, in Jamie Sterry, Nicky Featherson, Ben Killip. Another three, or three towards the end of the promotion winning side, who would go? If they if they do go this summer, I think that would only leave David Ferguson, Tom Crawford, and Joe Gray left from the squad who came up, which you know again kind of tells its own story of what has gone wrong in the sort of two years since the club has come back. Um, I think Jamie Sturry will probably be. I'd be amazed to be honest if he stays. We've, we've seen it the last two years. Um, key players like Luke Molyneux, Timmy Odesina, in before resorts. I know Luke Armstrong was only on loan, but key players like that who have left when the contracts ran out. Um, Sturry's not... I think he'd probably admit himself he hasn't had a good season because of injury. Um, but when he's played, you can see what he offers the team. You can see how key of a player he is. And Personally, I think he, he would deserve another shot in league football if that was to come about. It'll be interesting to see if he does go away. He would go... Um, Nicky Featherston's an interesting one because with him dropping out the side under Askey towards the end of this season, is that sort of uh, inclination as to where Askey's mindset is? Is Nicky Feather, which we spoke about shelf life before, is has he come towards the end of his with Hartlepool? You know, I think it will be would next year, but I think it will be his tenth season next year. Do you give him? Do you give him a one year deal? To to be sort of a an experienced head in the national league, or do you sort of think? No, I thought you were going to say for his, I thought you were going to say for his testimonial then, Joe. I was like, no, you can't be giving players contracts just for testimonial. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, so do you do that is to give him an extra an extra year to be just that experienced head for the first year back in the National League, or do you just draw that line yeah. and say, no, you've been part of kind of what's gone on this season as well, and yeah, just try and move on and hit the reset button completely. But there will be one or two who stay here. The majority who signed last summer were two-year deals, but you look at some of them and you think, how many of them will, do they, do they want? Will they be able to make it at National League level as well? You know, I mean, it's a different beast, that league now, compared to four uh, to two years ago, sorry, when Hartlepool were in it. You know, you just look at the two teams that have gone, that are up the top this year, Wrexham, obviously they're going up, but Notts County there as well, if they don't go up through the playoffs, then some of the teams that are in and around a playoff place, you know, it's it's a competitive league. It's a really, really competitive league. And you wonder after such a bruising sort of season this year, how many of them who came in last summer will be up for that? You know, is there a point to prove or would they see themselves wanting to get out as well? So it could be a complete overhaul, to be honest. Um, I think the third one players that you mentioned there, Ben Killip, I think, yeah, he's probably another one who would be thinking that his time is probably to move on. He lost his place this year. He's often not far away from being the target of some... Supporters' criticisms when you know when goals are going in and things like that. And yeah, 
if that were to be the case, then immediately a goalkeeper is high on the list because they've then only got Patrick Boys, who hasn't played a league game yet, because obviously Jakub Salacek's only on loan. So he'll go back to Leicester if Killip was to leave. That you're then looking at bringing in at least one goalkeeper for next season. But you can go right through the spine of the team where reinforcements will be needed or new starters will be needed. So it, it is going to be another massive summer. Um, obviously done at a restricted budget compared to this year and trying to find players who will be interested in coming to a club who are effectively on a on a downward spiral. You know, we've seen it. We look at this season, look at Scunthorpe. They went through and they've gone through again. <laughs> as much as you, you want Hartlepool to go the other way and bounce back and have a positive season next year and be in and amongst it, make no mistake about it. If you don't get things right this summer, Scunthorpe, you're, you're a prime example as to how <clears> things <throat> go wrong next season as well. On that cheery note, um, thank you very much, Joe. Um, yeah, big game Monday. Um, Joe will be there for the Hartlepool Mail. We'll have full full coverage as normal. And obviously, we'd then expect a couple of busy weeks on the transfer and contract front as well. We'll also have any any updates around the sale of the club. Um, however long that might that might take. Uh, in the meantime, uh, the Hartlepool Mail is out every Thursday, print edition. And please log on to the Hartlepool Mail website for the latest pools news. Thanks, Joe. We'll be back in a couple of weeks for another Pooley podcast.